BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, I'm going to keep this simple. Welcome back to Straight Up with Stassi. I'm Stassi Schroeder-Clark. Let's do this. Hey, guys. Okay, so this podcast episode was ridiculously fun to record, and it's going to be such a good listen. Um, I just wanted to give everyone the heads up that a few sensitive topics were covered, so just so that everyone's all aware. But like I said, this episode is lighthearted. It's funny. It's fun. And Jessica Knoll is maybe one of my favorite people that I've ever had on this podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, Welcome to Straight Up with Stassi. Uh, Today is an extraordinary day because, (laughs) you know, there are these moments um, in my podcast since I've started doing it in the beginning, back in 2015 or whatever, where I'm like, why the fuck would this guest even want to be here? Like, this guest is too cool for me. This guest is is too successful, is too smart, creative, all those things. Today is one of those days. I have Jessica Knoll, okay? (laughs) Author, screenwriter, producer. She does a million fucking things, but... Like literally everyone is talking about her right now. Everyone's, um, I don't know why I'm talking about you in like third person when you're just sitting right <laughs> it's okay. in front of me. I've never done this before. And I'm like, this is such a stunning intro. Thank you so much. Well, like, <laughs> I just, I can't believe that you're here. Like, I can't I feel believe like- I'm here either because like I was just telling you before we kind of started this. And I, I can't believe you didn't know this about me that like, I'm a huge Bravo fan. Like I've watched Vanderpump Rules since season one. Like I've followed you on Instagram for years and years and years. Like, I'm such a fan. No, I didn't know this. I'm, I'm just like so flattered and humbled at the same time. I mean, I I mean, I just, I'm just shocked that you didn't know that. And that like, you're like, even with my friends, I'm like, I'm going to do Stassi's podcast today. And I'm like, going to her house. And my friends are like, you need to get Hartford a gift. Like, everyone is like on board oh with God. this. Yeah. That's really sweet. I know. Hartford's at the playground right now because otherwise she'd be terrorizing us. I, I understand. So, yes. Yeah, she's not here because you can literally hear the like pitter pattering of her feet and her temper tantrums. And it's it's like it's just not the vibe. No, it's not cute. It's not the vibe. Um, But I'm really honored. And thank you for being here. Everyone is fucking talking about you right now because luckiest girl alive. You guys, if you have not seen it or read the book, read the book immediately. Thank you. Read the book fucking immediately yes the movie is amazing it's it's such like it's while it's hard to watch it's also an easy watch if that makes any sense but the book is just 
Oh my God. And let me tell you, this is the first book that I ever read that I, when someone, Jackie Oshray was on my podcast right? and she had recommended it to me. She's like, you would be obsessed with this book. Just read it. And it was the first book I ever read that I didn't look up what it was about. Oh, you went in blind. I went in blind. So I was like, I trust this. I trust Jackie's opinion on everything. I've heard about it. Like I've, it's, I've heard Luckiest Girl Alive so many times that I'm like, I'm I'm just going to read it. So I spent... Funny story, actually, because we have a few things in common. I spent, I was just in Pittsburgh recently. I saw that. I spent the whole entire time. like the most amazing autumnal, like, outing. Like, the colors, the You have no idea. It was literally like, it was basic bitch fall to the nth degree. Everything that I love. There's nothing better. Nothing better. There's nothing better. There's a reason why we all, like, there's a, being a basic bitch is fun. Because it just feels good. It feels nice. It's also like, these are things, like, before that term was even invented, like, obviously, like, there have been like the basic bitch fall is like just a staple of just humankind like yes like the fact that there are joy joy happiness hayrides like pumpkins like all of these things have been around for like the decorating around it like the dressing up like this is just like a part of our culture and like embracing it like there should be no shame around that thank you you hear it here first you hear it here now (laughs) jessica noel gave basic bitch ball the stamp of approval so everyone move forward with your lives embrace what you love it's okay to order the starbucks pumpkin spice you know i just had a pumpkin spice latte for the first time, which is very strange. I know. Can you believe that? Because it's like, this is my season. I love this so much, but and I like get all the candles and I do everything fall. And for whatever reason, that has just like not been a part of the routine. You never were curious? No, I was never curious until I went to Alfred's and I was like, Oh, so chic. You're just like, (laughs) I went to Alfred's. I'm talking Starbucks, but you're like, I went to Alfred's. Well, they were like, once you have this pumpkin spice latte, you won't be able to have like a pumpkin spice latte anywhere else because ours is just superior. And I'm like, I mean, I haven't had anything to compare it to, but when I tasted it, I was like, fuck, this is good. Like, it's so delicious. Have you now had a Starbucks one? No. I don't go to Starbucks. Why? I hate Starbucks. Wait, why? I don't like the taste of the coffee. That's why you get pumpkin spice. You don't taste the coffee. (laughs) So because I kind of like just black coffee with like a little bit of oat milk. So like I can't do the Starbucks. Then I completely understand. I just like don't really like the taste of coffee in general. So that's why like I had to add all that shit. I'm a Duncan girl. Like it's like an East Coast thing. Like I like Ben Affleck. Like, yes. Like I love (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts and like they're just not that ubiquitous like on the West Coast. Like there's one in Santa Monica that when I first moved out here, like I would go there all the time because I was so homesick. And I don't know, like, yeah, I just like that nutty flavor of their coffee. We need more Dunkin' Donuts (laughs) out on the West Coast. Anytime there's a Dunkin' Donuts in an airport, I get so excited. And also they use those styrofoam cups, which are horrible for the environment, but they keep your coffee so hot for so long. Like... Interesting. I, I had yeah. no idea. Yes. Yes. Learning something new. I know there's a lot of nuance to the Dunkin' Donuts, like coffee and like the whole ritual around it. It's very so, East Coast. Yeah. I feel like I don't really know anyone out here that's yeah. like, I need my Dunkin' Donuts coffee. No. Literally besides Ben Affleck. <laughs> no, Ben Affleck. Not that I know him. Yeah. But like that's, I literally well, associate him with Dunkin' I Donuts. I associate him with that. And like also because like there's that SNL skit like from years and years ago where they're like, it's like Rachel Dratch and oh, is it Will Ferrell? No, it, I forget who it is. It's like a long time ago, but you have to look it up and they're like, 
these, (laughs) they'd have these like very thick, like Bostonian accents. And I think like Ben Affleck, like did a spot on like one of the SNL skits and they like get into a, like a fight at Dunkin' Donuts. Like I'm going to have to look it up. You have to look it up. It's very funny. It's very Boston. Not that I'm from Boston, but like, I feel like that New England thing is like kind of in the mix of I where feel I, like, I feel like it is and I, I feel like anywhere up there yeah it's all you guys can all you, you're <laughs> like up there you're a family yeah you yeah, guys yeah. are all family yes. <laughs> Pittsburgh I'm gonna include that in there but you know what Pitt, wait so what is the Pittsburgh thing my brother lives in Pittsburgh okay and they just had a baby six months ago so we were visiting them so how did he end up in Pittsburgh because you're from his wife New Orleans I'm from New Orleans okay so is he well yeah okay obviously duh my yeah. brother <laughs> uh no his wife is from Pittsburgh and so they moved where she was from. How long have they been there for? A few years. Okay. Yeah. Do they love it? They do. Really? I loved it. There was like a point where I was like, should I move to Pittsburgh? Oh my God, the fall weather. It's so safe. Like I can just walk down the streets of the neighborhood. It's clean. Everyone's decorated for the fucking holidays. I bet it's really delicious this time of year. It really, really was. Yeah. And I spent every single moment that like Hartford was napping or if like I was like going to the bathroom or anything, reading your book. Oh. And it it was, it just like made my trip. And then what's so crazy is that I was reading the acknowledgments Yes. And I saw that you wrote Alyssa Rubin and I was yes. like, oh, that's my, that's my new literary agent. Yes. Like we have the same literary agent. Yes. That I feel super special right now. <laughs> then the plane lands, I get home and I like check my emails. I'm horrible at checking emails or texts or anything at all. And so like, I saw that like five days prior, she had emailed me and was like, I'm sending you a copy of uh, oh, Luckiest see, Girl Alive. You need oh to read it. Oh, my God. See, I thought you read it because she had sent no. it to you. I didn't know it was because just from kind of Claudia's recommendation. Jackie, and, yeah. Oh, Jackie's. Sorry. Jackie's. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I read it on my Kindle. Oh, my yeah. God. And so when I got home, there was like a physical copy of your oh, book. And I, I had that email. That. And I'm like, this is just so like serendipitous it is serendipitous that like I have to have her on my podcast this was and then I watched the movie and it's just I mean it is such a phenomenal book and I cannot like recommend it more to other people yeah it's so great to hear that because it's like you know it's been seven years since it came out so it's been like the fact that like people are talking about it again and new new readers are discovering it yeah is really exciting like it's really been like a just a fulfilling thing to experience I can't imagine what that's like because you had so much success like it was a New York Times bestseller for like 17 weeks in a row yeah like that all happened in 2015 yeah and then all of a sudden seven years later a whole like a whole new round Gen Z finds out about it it's like a whole new generation of people it's actually amazing with Gen Z reading it like some of the things you know that they've picked up on like especially a lot of the like ED stuff, like the eating disorder stuff where I'm just like, oh my God, that was so, that was so the way she thinks about food and her body and whatever. And a lot of that were like my own issues that I've like since dealt with. Yeah. But that was so normal in that era. Yeah. And I feel weird. I think for our age group, for us. Yes. It is like, it's, there's something about like, even seven years ago, it feels like a bygone era in terms of how we think about food and our bodies and how we even like talk about food in our bodies, yeah. you know? No, I completely agree. Yeah. It's also like we were, how, can I ask you? Yes. You are? Yes. I'm a couple years older than you. I'm 38. Uh, you look like 
you're less than 30. Thank you. People do tell Is me that. Is it the Botox? Is it it's, Botox? I've got Botox. I do. And I stay out of the sun. I'm like a freak about staying out of the sun. Well, like, listen, I don't really go that many places. Like, I stay in my house all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a little introverted when it comes to like Wait, socializing. how old are you now? 34. You're 34? I'm 34. Oh, I thought you were still like 31 or something. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that must be because I stay in my house yes. and out of the sun <laughs> and my Botox. That must be why. Yeah, Botox and staying in your house, like they really do. It really work. helps. Yeah, it really makes I, you I do prettier. Both of those things I do. <laughs> but so we both grew up in like the time where yeah. it was like Star Magazine and Us Magazine yes. and Lindsay Lohan yes. and everyone. All and if of a sudden, you gain getting... ten pounds, you're on the cover, and like they're pointing out your cellulite. Like, yeah, that's what I grew up with. You totally. know, Which is so to think about, you know, but also so amazing that like this generation now and I look at like heart my daughter and I'm like, you're not going to have to deal with this Isn't shit. And it's going to feel so foreign. It's going to feel so antiquated, it's so antiquated. It's going to be like smoking cigarettes. Like when that was like, so, you could do that in a hospital, like in yeah. the 50s or 60s or whenever that was. And the, like, or even on an airplane, you know, like we look back on that and we're like, oh my God, like how did they not know that was so bad for them? I know. And like, how was that just like not taboo? And I feel like that is going to be the experience that like Hartford has when yeah. she's in her ad like adolescent years, which is no, I so totally, liberating to I know. think about. I totally agree. I love that. I love that for her. I know. I love that for my daughter. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> well, so in Luckiest Girl Alive, speaking of like being like in a, a certain time period, yes. I love that you made it so specific in the movie yes. that it was like, it was 2000, I think 15. 15. Yep. Yes. And every little detail I was like down to like everything she was wearing, um, the comments that she was making about like other people. Like I was just like, Oh my God, I'm totally back here. Yeah. This is amazing. And one of the things I actually wanted to talk to you about, because I feel like obviously writers write what they know. Mm -hmm. And I know that you say that a lot of people come up to you and confuse confuse you for yes for Ani. Yep. Do we say Tiffany or Tiffany? Because in it's, the in the movie she, they said Tiffany. It's Tiffany and then Ani. Right. Yes. But then you said it right. But sometimes I'm like, or was it always Tiffany? I know. I well, like because of the capitalized <laughs> A. It was always Tiffany. But it was funny when we were like in the, the kind of early cast readings, people were all over the map, like Tiffany, Annie. And like, I had to like, at the next time we did one, like it was all over Zoom. I had to be like, okay, guys, like here's like, <laughs> here's the pronunciation. Like we had to really decide because people, I guess that that's the magic of a book, right? It's like it's kind of- It's the capital A yeah. magic in that book. It's, it's the capital A that just like- It's uh, your own interpretation. Yes, totally. It's like a poem. Yeah. However you feel about it. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think what is so amazing about this is that she is so unlikable, mm. which makes her the most likable. Yeah. And like I was saying that like people, I know people confuse you for the character. Mm -hmm. And that's, that has to be frustrating, but also like cool and like flattering at the same time. But people write what they know. You wrote about a lot of what you yes, know. I did. And there are so many specifics in Tiffany and Ani and just like the way that you explained like her inner thoughts, like you could be talking about something that was just so like Monday, just the wallpaper and the way that you said it was just so specific. 
that it's like every girl is this girl. Yeah. And we're all so fucking layered. Everyone is so multifaceted. Everyone's awful and great at the same time. We're all evil and good. We're all villains and heroes. And I wanted to know, like, when you were writing this, when you were writing this character, because I just think the character is fucking amazing. And when I say she's so unlikable, like, I mean that as a a compliment, because to me, that's what makes her. Well, that's what makes someone a human being, right? It's just being flawed. Like, totally. That's part of the experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Was that a choice when you were writing it to be like, I need to make sure to get in a little bit of this unlikability? Or did you just... Right. Did you just write? So I think it was a combination of both because now with a little bit of, you know, with a little bit of time, like I now am able to see things like in retrospect, like the context of the year that I was living in, the time I was living in when I wrote this book. So what I've been able to kind of ascertain, like looking back is that in 2012, do you remember the Steubenville uh, sexual assault that was, it was like live documented on Twitter and the boys were, it was like a girl who was like incapacitated by alcohol. And no, I don't think. Yeah. These, it was a big, big, big news story. And um, these boys were basically like tweeting about it as they were assaulting her and they ended up being charged and they were found guilty. And, for me, it was so formative to see that the world reacted in outrage to a girl being assaulted and she was drunk at the same time because yeah. that's what my experience was. Right. So I had that happen. And then Gone Girl came out. Yeah. And everyone was talking about the character of Amy Dunn. This was like 2014, I think, and how she was unlikable and this anti-hero and how refreshing it was that like we saw a female character who was like spiky and had all her edges. Mm -hmm. And truly, it was the alchemy of these two events that like produced this character and allowed me to find my voice because I was like, I'm so fucking angry about what happened to me. I'm so fucking angry about how it was handled. I'm so fucking angry about so many things. And... I, I'm seeing two things. I'm seeing that the world is saying you have a right to be angry about that because what right. happened to you is wrong. And we're ready to embrace this type of angry, like unlikable female character. And it was like, boom. And that's, I just felt like once those two things came together, it was just like off to the races. And then it was just like therapy for yes, you. Yes, completely. So therapeutic, like so therapeutic, so cathartic. Like it was, I, it was like I entered a fugue state to write that book because I wrote it in eight months nonstop. I wrote every single day. I wrote all weekend long. I couldn't get this off my chest fast enough. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. It's never happened again. Like I've written lots of things since then. I wish it would happen again, but yeah, there was something, there was magic in, in that time period and in writing that character and in everything that happened in the world that allowed me to kind of like unleash her voice. Well, I think you have like this little superpower. Um, and like, I think that's that, you know, the power of like honesty Yeah, and you know, the power of like truth and even like listening to you on other podcasts and, you know, reading, I read the Vogue article that you wrote and I think it's really, it's very hard for a lot of people to be honest. Yeah. It's really, and there's no shame in not in wanting to like hide parts of your life. Like, of course, like, you know, people deserve privacy and they don't have to air everything about themselves or, 
But I feel like what you, like your superpower is, is that you just write about every, it's like any thought, any feeling, yeah. you don't over, it, it feels like you don't overthink it. It feels Thank like you. you're just like, <laughs> I'm going to put out there what I know. I'm going to put out there what I think. I'm going to put out there how I feel. And like, everyone's just going to have to deal with it. You can like it or not like it. But like, I think that's like what makes most successful people successful because like, that's what people connect with. It is. It's so true. That's what people connect with is honesty and vulnerability, I think. And it is, it's a very hard thing to do now that I feel I have eyes on me. Like I think the magic of Luckiest Girl Alive was I didn't, I, of course my goal was get this published as a book, you know, but yeah. it's so abstract in the future that like people are going to actually read this and talk about it that like you can really feel like you can write anything yeah. because you don't have that sense of like, you know, there's going to be criticism or there's going to be blowback or like, or people will love it or they, you know, so I have to do more, you know, I have to think about what people liked and what they didn't like, and then try and do another book or screenplay or story that's going to somehow, you know, satisfy everyone, you know, and yeah. give people what they like and make sure I don't give them what they don't like. So it's like all those voices are now in my head. Oh my gosh. I hope that does it. I I, I hope you find a way to let that go. I know. I'm and it's trying. Re- it's really hard to do. And I I've, I feel like you're, you're saying all this and I'm like, God, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. It's just like when you film your first season of a reality show, you give zero <laughs> fucks. You right. have no idea I what bet. you're doing. You're yeah. just living your life. No one knows who you are. Like, so you're just like YOLO. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you, you get the criticism, you get tweets, you get, you get your producers rewarding you in certain ways. And and you're like, Oh, this is what they want from me. This is what I, I, and then it ruins the magic. I have to lean into this, you know, and then you see people almost become like caricatures Caricatures of themselves. (laughs) Yes, I know, which I have done. Like it's hard. It's hard. I've become a character of myself too. Like it's happened to me. Definitely. I feel like you have to, it's so hard to like wade through all of that and like find your inner compass, you know? And like, it's a hard thing to do as a writer, as a storyteller. And it's a hard thing to do as like a human being, honestly. Agreed. It's like, that's the thing. That's the track I'm on right now is like getting to like the core of like who I am, what I want, what feels good to me. And like from there, that's when you're like the best version of yourself, whether like that's in your career, whether that's to your family, your friends, the people in your life who matter, like that's when you get the best version of yourself. So it's like, that's the path I'm like on. I feel like you're speaking <laughs> to my soul right now. And like, this is something that I literally talk about, like in my house yeah, all of the time with like my closest friends and like yeah. my husband and stuff like that. But it is, it's hard. It's very hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And it's, I think it's hard just as a, I think it's hard for anyone, but I think it's really hard for women. Yeah. No, I would 100% agree yeah. with that. Yeah. But it's like, how do you even... Once you're that, and and it's kind of like being you try practicing to be like self as self aware as possible, and it's it's how do you even go about that when you're receiving criticism from every direction? Exactly. Like how, and then how do you just feel like you don't want to just like close the curtains in your house and just like stay in there? It's and you start to get to a point, and I might just be like rambling and not making any sense, but when you have all this criticism or people coming at you, whether it's positive or negative criticism, you start, it's hard to know yourself and it's hard. You start being like, wait, who am I? 
Yeah. Actually. Yeah. And that's and that's the like that's kind of like the central question of Luckiest Girl Alive and the movie. It's like that's yeah. like she has that line at the end that means so much to me where he's like, we used to have fun together. I miss that. And she's like, I don't know if I'm fun. Like, yes. I don't know what I invented I, to make people like me and I what's know. actually me. And it's like that is that I've asked myself that question before. And it's like so sad to ask yourself that in your 30s, you know, like you're like, Wow. Like, and it really made me, I feel like over the last couple, like the last probably year and a half, I've really become like committed to being like, I'm going to be able to answer that question for myself one day, you know, like, cause I couldn't for so long. No, that's Sad. it. It's, no, it, but it's, a, <laughs> it's a great goal to have. Yeah. But like when I tell you, I have felt that. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm realizing that like, oh my God, I am Ani. <laughs> but I literally ask my friend, I am like, I'm not fun. And like, it's an insecurity oh. of mine. No, it, it's a huge insecurity of mine. And you I don't think, think you're fun. No. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm actually like fine with not being fun. But I just think you're so fun. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I know. Sometimes I feel like that too. Cause I can be so serious. I it's, Serious is fun though. Yeah. Like I don't mind seriousness. Like I yeah. like a good serious conversation. Yeah. I just think maybe also being on a reality show where like you have to be out like getting wasted, yeah. causing problems, dressing up, do it like yeah. being as extra and like pay attention to me as as possible. Like maybe I like equate that with like being fun. fun. Yeah. And I'm like, I can see that. That's not who I am. Right. And right. that is, so I'm like, no, I'm not fun anymore. So like, sorry if you expect me to be fun. I'm not sure if I made that up for Vanderpump Rules or not. I right. don't know anymore. Right. Yeah. But that's like, but the fact that you don't even know is like such a good starting point. Do you know what I mean? Or is it not? <laughs> or is it horrible? No, I think that's where, I think that's where you start from is like, I think that's such an awareness to be like, I, that was, that was what became my definition of fun for so long. And there were people in my head and now I'm like away from that. And I can like start like asking that question of myself, you yeah. know, like, I don't, I mean, that's tough. Like being on a reality TV show, I feel like that's psychological warfare. It 100% is, Jessica. <laughs> and I like want to get into this, but since you're like, I, I like don't want to like finish with like what I like have to say about Lucky's Girl Alive, but we can circle back to it. Yeah. If we have time, I only have an hour with you. So it's like, I'm sorry. I, let me just apologize to my listeners right now. If this is all over the place, it's because I only have an hour and there's so many things that I wanted to talk to Jessica let's about. Do it. Let's be ADHD. Like, let's, let's be just scattered. Hop, and, let's hop yeah. all over the place. Okay. So we're talking about reality TV. More people need to know about, and I know that it was a hit back then in 2018, but more people need to know about The Favorite Sister. Agreed. And that is a novel <laughs> that Jessica wrote, and it is set in the reality TV world. Yes. I'm halfway done, and I'm like literally triggered in good and bad ways <laughs> and with everything that I read. It is so accurate in terms of like how the reality TV world works yeah that i need to know who the fuck told you all this so where did you get the intel so it's so funny that you asked me that because that is because andy cohen read this book and loved it is jesse andy cohen and yes yes okay fuck yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> i think that he would like be okay with that no too. i would be okay yeah. if that i thought that yeah, i'm jesse i'm fine being jesse yeah i'd love to be very jesse. sexy um <laughs> 
So he asked me that exact same question when he like, he called me and was like, I love the book. And he was like, but I need to know who you talk to. And I was like, so I don't know if this is like what this says about me, but no one. I don't believe you. No, I'm telling you. And I don't like liars, Jessica. No one. Don't lie to me. Well, no one would talk to me. That's how scared they are of him. And he was like, he was like, good. <laughs> like, That's maybe I can. Okay. Like, do you see what I'm saying? You should have gone to a non-housewife. I know. So I think we I would have talked to I you. I was only talking. I was only thinking of housewives. Yeah. And I did do a little bit of, I got to talk to an editor on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So I got a little bit of intel about like how filming works, but like a lot of it is just like, I like I'm a reality TV buff and I've watched it since the beginning and I observe and like everything you're saying about like becoming a caricature of yourself and like picking up on little things like even people's like voices. The one thing that always stands out to me when you look back on early seasons of like any Bravo reality TV show, especially the housewives, though, their voices are even softer in the beginning, in the beginning. And then they become like more confident in who they are and who this character is that Mm -hmm. they're inhabiting and like their voice changes. And I just feel like someone's voice is such like a defining quality about them that I'm like, that to me gives me like, it's like a chill down my spine when I think that like reality TV can warp you so much that it actually changes the tenor of your voice. Like I'm like that makes all the little hairs on the back of my neck stand up. And it's like such a good breeding ground to think about like, like a murder could happen here. No, 100%. Do you know how thrilled the Vanderpump Rules producers would be if there was like murder, if I had died? (laughs) They would have been like, oh my God, so sad. I'm going to miss her so much. But like, we got to film the funeral. We know it's going to be good. We're going to make the funeral really extra. Like it would just, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of, and also emotions run so high on these shows and like, there's so much alcohol. It's like, I'm actually shocked that like, it hasn't escalated to violence before. Like, I I mean, mean, it has a few times, but like, I guess that's true. Yeah. But not definitely. I was watching, do you watch OC? So I, I've, I've seen in the past. Yeah. Okay. So this is an episode from, it's gotta be like five years ago. Heather DeBrow, it was like a Heather DeBrow season. Okay. And I think it was Kelly Dodd's first season. Okay. And they go to Ireland for the trip and they get in this huge screaming match on the bus to the airport early in the morning. Like it's still dark out. It's like 530 in the morning and they're probably still drunk from the night before. And I think it's like Tamara is like in Kelly, like Kelly's face, like screaming at her. And all the women have just like, you know, like they've just like formed this alliance against her. Alliances. And I remember watching it and being like, <laughs> I would not be surprised if like they threw her off this, but like literally onto the speeding highway. Like that's what it felt like it was about to escalate to. Yeah. And like, that's where I started getting the idea for the favorite sister. That's from so that scene. crazy yeah. and wild. Yeah. Cause it just was so like, people were so angry like and it was just like you could see the passionate hatred that they had for one another where I was like this is so dark like oh my god (laughs) I know and like when I while I'm was I've been reading this I'm just like I, I I can't believe there's something out there that makes me miss and like feel thankful I'm far away from it at the same time yeah like I'm reading it being like oh 
RIP filming. Like yeah. I that that was fun. I remember these details are so specific. I'm like, I miss it. And then I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so glad that this is not my life anymore. It was so stressful. It yeah, was such I a bet. it was such a game. You're also yes. like beholden to other people. Yes. Like it's it's to have to worry about like your position where you're seated at yes. the reunion. Oh my just God. like I can't imagine. Like I feel like I would get my feelings hurt all the time. Like I would be like, well, I'm not the like the favorite one this season because like I'm not like closest to Andy on the couch. Like yeah. I think about that stuff constantly. Like I'm just like, I don't know how any I don't know how people do it. It doesn't like break them, you know? No, totally. I, I, I know. I, I, you're like you're like you're literally preaching to the choir. Yeah, like. no, yeah. And there have been many times where I felt absolutely broken. Yeah, I just um, I still like can't totally believe you that no one told you anything. Like, how did you know? Like, I'm trying to think of like specific and like you know details about everything. Just it's not, and it's not what people see on yeah. camera like there's so many scenes that you wrote or so many chap just what would you call that just not like a scene okay a scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah where it's when the cameras are off and like yeah. what the conversations are like pre-filming and yeah. and how that is or like you talk about like the cast trip and how whoever oh has it's the their trip. cast trip yeah. they get they get more scenes and so their storyline therefore is gonna it's gonna be a little easier on them in yeah. terms of editing like you are you just like super like good at just like really catching things that aren't I, obvious I think I am like I think I have an obsession with the dynamics on these shows like I just do and the like the constant shifting alliances and like all of it and I just think at the time like I'm trying to remember when I was like writing this like I was a huge fan, like Brian Moylan has become a good friend of mine. He wrote the recaps for New York Magazine. Um, he still writes the recaps. So I would like read all of his recaps obsessively. And then I would get into the comments. Like, I think I would like, I would never post myself, but I would always be so interested in like what people's takes were and like yeah. what the behind the scenes gossip was. Yeah. And so I think I would like be digging around in there and I somehow would pick up Intel I would listen to Bitch Sash, like all of this stuff. Like, I feel like I was able to see glimpses behind the curtain by just being like really dedicated <laughs> to my reality TV shows. <laughs> but like, how did you have the time? I don't understand how you have the time. You work so much. You do so much. When the fuck do you have time to watch I all the reality know. shows? I Like at night. Like I'm not really doing much at night. Like I don't have a kid. Like, you know, like I'm, I guess, but, <gasps> but still. You're like, don't you want to like use your time for like something better? I'm like, no, no I'm this so is glad, my favorite thing. I'm so glad you haven't because then we wouldn't have this, have this book. book. Yeah, so, like, exactly. No, you're doing, you're doing the work for us. You're doing, <laughs> thank you. This is charitable yeah, okay. for you to be watching Great. reality TV Great. every night. I just like can't believe that yeah. you have the time to do it because you're a busy freaking lady. I love it. I just love it so much. And you still watch it. Oh, I still watch it. Yeah. I'm really into Beverly Hills this season. I'm waiting for New York to come back. I'm excited for Vanderpump, the new season, like, because a lot has gone down. A lot has gone down. A lot has gone down. I'm excited to watch it, too. Oh, my God. It's the only reality show I will still watch. I feel like still, so you'll still watch it. Yeah, I'll watch Vanderpump Rules. Okay. But like, I just feel like I can't watch Housewives anymore. I can't like. Yeah, I, I had to like that. quit all of that. But yeah. like Vanderpump Rules, I still want to 
like support my friends that are yeah. s- the people that are still on it. I want it to do well. Yeah. Like I, I think it's going to be a big season for them this year. I, like I think last so season too. was like, mm, so, so, but then it feels like they did that thing where they like took a little bit of a pause just long enough for like all the shit to hit the fan in like various people's personal lives. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I mean, I'm like, give it to me now. Like, I'm ready. (laughs) Do you think you would write a book then about, because both your books are East Coast, New York. Yeah. You now live in Los Angeles. You've been here for a while. The culture here is so different. It's so different. And what you're really good at is like finding the the specifics the little tiny yeah. details about like a, the culture of where you are and yeah. and the type of people that you surround yourself with like do you think that you would write something with like the Los Angeles culture i think and that reality i mean Vanderpump Rules i feel like is a part of there's Los Angeles or part Los of, Angeles, our, part of Hollywood culture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think more where I'll go with it is because I wrote this um, like a really rough draft of a, like an original script that's just kind of like sitting in my drafts. Like it's messy, whatever, but it's horror. And oh, wait, is this the till death? So not till death. So because till death is like at Amazon and like we have a director and like that's like moving ahead. This is like kind of another like it's like I wrote that and I loved it so much and I was like I want to write another like horror you know and this one has like a supernatural element to it and people get like stuck in a house in Connecticut but what the LA part of it is that the character has moved to LA and so she comes back to visit her friends who have like all moved out of New York and like all live in you know fancy Connecticut mansions now and she has this like push and pull with the east coast where she's like exactly what you're saying about like, that's kind of how I feel with Connecticut (laughs) because so many of my friends ended up moving out there after they had kids. Like New York's just, it's really not tenable once you have, like it's actually okay with like a baby. It's once they're like Harvard's age and they're like running around that you're like, I need space. And then like schools and like all of that, it just gets so complicated. Um, So, so many of my friends, like my college friends and my friends from my twenties are like, all in this like one pocket of Connecticut. But it's amazing in that like, it's a real community. Like they're all members of like the same country club and they like play tennis together. And like, I just talked to my one friend called me this morning. She's like, we're going to a tea with Taylor Jenkins Reid. Like, you know who she is, right? Yeah, Taylor Jenkins Reid. She wrote like Daisy Jones and the Six and like- Yes, okay. So like, they like constantly have these like events and I'm like, oh, maybe I do want to be out there and like- be with my friends and like do all these things. And then I get out there and I'm like, I just, I can't, like, I think I have Los Angeles like in my veins You just miss Irwan. I would miss Irwan. I would miss Irwan. I would, I mean, God, there would be so much I would miss. So I think that's my next character is someone who's like struggling with that, the like pull back to the East coast. Yeah. um, After having experienced LA living for like a good chunk of time. Love that. Yeah. When you, do you have a lot of friends out here? I do now. I didn't for a while. Um, I, it was really like, it was really making Luckiest Girl Alive into a movie that kind of gave me my network of friends out here because so many of the people in the film industry are based in LA. Yeah. 
So yes, I have friends. Because I was like, well, not, it's not a, it's, it's yeah. not a weird thing it's to hard. not have friends. It's, I didn't have friends for LA. a long time. It was really hard when yeah. I first moved here. And I was like, I just want to move back. It didn't have anything to do with LA and not liking LA. It was more, I didn't have friends. Well, yeah. And it's like, how do you meet, how do you meet people? Also like making friends is fucking exhausting. It's like, hard. That shit is so tiring. It's, do you feel like you've made friends um, like from ha- like having a baby? Like has that... Um, or you, you always still, um, yeah, she's still young. So it's not like you're going to school drop offs and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always curious about that. Like, I'm like, well, having a kid, like expand my friend group. (laughs) I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that it will. Yeah. But as of right now, not so much. Like there are a few people that I've met that I'm like, oh, you had a baby too. I, we can relate to what yeah. we, each other's going through, but making friends is just like, really, it's, yeah. it's, it sucks the life out but of you. But this is like, you have your group of friends from like your twenties. Yeah. Like, well, I but have, then you do outgrow people. And yeah, I mean, I, I have like friends that I grew up with friends from college, yeah. friends from my twenties from, I mean, I, I, I'm not really like a, a group of friends type of person. Really? Where I'd rather, it's like I have my individual people that they might not all be friends. That's kind of how I am too. But I always picture, I always saw Because of fucking Vanderpump rules. I know, I know. There's a lot of misleading shit on there. And that was something that always drove me crazy because people would be like, why didn't you invite Sheena to this birthday party? I'm like, because we're not fucking that great of friends. I have a lot of other friends outside of this. Just because these are the only people you see me with on your screen doesn't mean that these are this is just like my group of yeah, friends. Yeah, like it's actually more like my colleague, you Truth. know? Truth. And like, you don't always want to hang out with your colleagues after work, you know? Correct. <laughs> it's like, I need like a little bit of like my actual people who like fill me up in various ways. Like, yeah. yes. I think that having a group of friends is like a little overrated because really? not everyone is, I mean, I think it's, if you have that, yeah, that's lucky. That's yeah. lucky to have a group of friends that all like want to be friends with each other. Yeah. But I think it's overrated in a sense that like it's almost kind of like impossible to attain because it's so hard. But the, these people in Connecticut do it like do they grow I up just, together? No, it's just like it's a small community. And it's like, do they everyone, all secretly hate each other? No, I just <laughs> went to see Harry Styles with this group in Chicago. And it was like my one of my best friends from college. And she like brought all of her Connecticut friends who like I've met some of them like here and there. And I was amazed at like, I mean, there was like 10 of us and there's no shit talking. Like everyone like genuine, like genuinely just like wants to have a good time and is so funny. And we like laid in bed all day together, like 10 of us, like all like college style, like all around the room watching The Watcher. And like, I was like, this is so amazing. Like you have this all the time. She's like, yeah, move to Connecticut. I want to move to Connecticut. (laughs) No, I want the names and numbers (laughs) and addresses of every one of these women. They will gladly welcome you in. They will be so happy to have you. No, like this sounds like such a fucking peaceful vibe. You could definitely find a haunted house in Connecticut too. That is even more the vibe. (laughs) Yes. Like, I don't know that many group of friends. I don't know people that are like that. Yeah, I feel like I everyone's not like everyone's just like an asshole. Or I maybe know. that's just being in the reality TV world for so it long. It might be reality TV and it might be like a just a facet of living in a large city. Like, yeah. I think L.A. is like a very I think L.A. is challenging friend wise for that reason, because it's like if you don't live in the same 
like I live on the west side. Do you know what I mean? Like I brought my passport to come yeah, here. Like, I know. I'm so sorry. That drive must have been literally actually, four hours. No, it wasn't that bad because at the time we were doing this, it's like an off time. So it actually only took like 40 minutes. That's but a like, long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I really appreciate it. But like, I'm yeah. happy to like, I'm happy to like leave my bubble because otherwise it's like, I feel like I just get like stuck, like going to the Brentwood Country Mart. And like, Do you all. have a Brentwood crew? I mean, no, not really. No one lives in Brentwood. Yes, they do. Jennifer Garner. I see Jennifer Garner. Famous people. All the time. I do see a lot of famous people. I feel like Jennifer like, Garner is the mayor of, of Brentwood. Brentwood. Yeah, yeah. I do see her out and about a lot. She does the same turkey trot that I do. And like what her- What the fuck is a turkey trot? You don't know what a turkey trot is? No, like, never heard the, of a turkey trot. I feel like you're going to hate it. What is it? It's the it's the 5K run that people do on Thanksgiving morning. Fuck that. <laughs> no. Th- now I know why I don't know what a turkey trot is. Like, I thought it was like something having to do with fall, like a pumpkin It is patch. a fall thing. And people like do dress. Sometimes people dress up as like turkeys and run it. And like, yeah, I'm not really. <laughs> I used to be a runner like back in my, you know, eating disorder days. But I don't. Like, I'll probably do it this year, but I, I haven't run in, like, years. So why will you probably do it? Because it's, it's fun? fun. What time is it at? Oh, it's early. It's, like, tell me the time. 8.30 a.m. And how long do you run for? Three miles. Not that bad. <laughs> I mean, but, like, it's in public. Like, yeah, but people are, Running like, three miles on a treadmill, like, without somebody watching you, maybe. Yeah, But, I like, know. running three miles, I like, know. in the wild. <laughs> yeah, and there are people, like, cheering. But it's fun because, like, people are out on their, like, the, and these are everywhere. Like, I do them these turkey trots are everywhere like I do I did them on the east coast like I do them here but the thing I love about it is like people sit in their front yard and they have like bloody marys and they're like cheering you on like it's that's kind me of that, oh yeah you could that's I how will, you could participate I would participate yeah I would be go. happy to sit yeah. on a porch with a bloody mary with a bloody mary yeah I'll make posters <laughs> great I mean like I I could be the most supportive <laughs> turkey trotter yeah but will I wake up to run yeah that is just like a hard no I just like don't see anything remotely enjoyable about yeah. that you do feel really good afterwards and that's the the one good part like is, endorphins but like there are other ways to get it yeah there are other ways to get endorphins <laughs> I don't know like you didn't do that great of a job on selling me on it I know well because I'm kind of off exercise right now because I overdid it for so long and now I'm kind of like Meh. You don't really have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Take a break. Sometimes, oh, I'm taking a big break. Take a break. Yeah. The grind, too much. It's too much. I'm over all the pressure. The yeah. pressure to work out more, to like look better, to socialize more, yeah. to like be accomplishing more, to like nothing is ever fucking enough yeah, ever. I know. And I'm done with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I also just think like exercise, I was always using it for the wrong reasons. Like I was always using it to like be smaller, you know? And then like, I need to like rediscover it in a way that's like just about like actually feeling good and like doesn't have anything to do with that. Like I still have that like eating disorder attachment to it. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but it, but anytime I do do it, I'm like, oh, it does feel so good. I should do this more. <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel after like I run at the park with Hartford. Yeah, not yeah. like a not like a run, like a, well, a run. It's it is more of like you're a trot. Probably pretty act. <laughs> <laughs> trot. 
<laughs> but you're probably really active with like, uh, what is she, two? How old is She'll she? be two in January. Okay. And yes, it is like a real thing that yeah. like when your kid starts to walk, like you then don't you sit don't down sit ever down. again. Right. So yeah. like that's, yeah. And that has to be releasing some sort of endorphin. I think that's thing. better for you. That like start and stop is like so much better than just like hopping on a treadmill for 30 minutes at a time. That's what they say. It's like being up. It's like the sitting all day. That's like bad for you, which is what I, I, I do that. all day. Oh, God, but I, yeah. I miss that so much. That's I the, can imagine. That's the one, the one main thing yeah. that I miss about like my pre-motherhood life yeah. is to be able to be like, today I'm going to be sedentary. Today I'm going to lay and I'm going to binge whatever show I want to watch. And I'm just like going to give zero fucks. Like, yeah, that is the thing You'll I miss the most. You'll have it again though. You will. No, you will. So a lot of my friends, because I'm a couple years older than you, a lot of my friends and my husband is six years older than me. So then like all his friends are like, they have like um, multiple kids and a lot of them are like a lot, you know, like 10 years old now. Yeah. And they all say the same thing. They're like, oh my God, those years with like a one, two, three, even four year old, like it was like all they're like we're out of it and it's like our kids are really independent and like you they have all of that again and I remember when they were in those years and like they would say everything that you're saying and now like I was just with like a group of those people over the summer and like seeing their kids grown up and like running around and just like entertaining each other like they're like cooking their own meals not that (laughs) quite yet (laughs) just like doing their I don't know yeah it it feels like it's it's never gonna happen for me but like I appreciate it is I see it it, like I mean I'm literally this is me like uh, like I have no authority saying this because I don't have kids but I'm just saying I've observed I've observed my friends go through the cycle and they're like so there's hope there's hope there yeah if anyone's in this position the same position as me there's (laughs) hope you will maybe be able to one day lay around flatline on your couch and like whatever the fuck you want exactly Okay, can we talk about how you just wrote a horror film? Yes. Till Death. Yes. And I don't understand. I've looked so horror is like my favorite genre. I know, mine too. I love horror movies. Yeah. But like I always think about this. How do horror movie writers come up with the shit that they're writing? Because it's like fucked up. Yeah. It's, it's fucked up. It's dark. Yeah. And like, how do you know what's gonna <laughs> like really scare someone? And how do you know what's gonna make something like interesting I think to me that has to be like harder than writing comedy like see I actually think writing a comedy would be harder like I just think my brain operates in a way where it's like that's all I consume and also till death is like yeah I guess it's I mean so the tonally it's very similar to like a scream or I know what you did last summer okay because like those were the movies that like growing up you grew up yeah watching and loving and all of that and I'm like where I miss that kind of blend of like humor and like campiness, um, campiness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Such a good way to describe it. Like I, this is definitely campy. And so it's not like, I mean, have you ever seen hereditary? I was just talking oh, about yeah, last night. Of like, course. I didn't sleep for like months after I watched that. I love that movie. Really? Did yeah. it fuck you up though? I mean, there's not that many movies that like fuck me up. Yeah. See that fucked me up. But well, that's like, it's a different type of of horror yeah it's like just I knew as I was watching it I was like this is gonna give me really bad anxiety because there's this weird line for me in horror where it's like I can't always I I can just it's just a feeling I get where I'm like oh that's not for me 
And I knew Hereditary would be like that from the trailer, but everyone was saying it was so good. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch it. And then I couldn't stop watching it because it was so good. But I was like, I'm going to pay for this. And I did. Like, I didn't feel normal for a while after watching Hereditary. Wait, that's so interesting, yeah. though, that, like, that it can affect you like that. And yeah. you can also write a horror But then a movie filming. like Scream or I Know What You Did Last Summer, like, I'll watch that going to bed. Like, I love it. Like, it feels like, it feels like, it gives me, like, a warm feeling. Like, I feel, like, cozy. Wait, that's <laughs> so crazy because, to me, those movies are scarier than movies really? like Hereditary. Yeah, because, like, mur- like it's killing someone... Like, just like a person killing me is like highly likely. Yeah. But like anything having to do with demons, hauntings, possessions, like not that likely for me. Well, okay. I was raised Catholic. So was I. Really? Yeah. And so that doesn't freak you out? And I mean, do we know anyone who's been possessed? Do you? I don't know. I feel like the nuns were always like warning me about it. Actually, actually, I think I was like a little bit haunted, not possessed, but haunted. Okay. I, this is a good Halloween story. Tell and I, it. I've been like retelling this actually a lot recently. So when I was in middle school, we had this sleepover and it was like probably like one of those sleepovers where it was like 15 girls were there. And like you stay up all night and we were like doing, and I went to a Catholic all girls middle school. And so it's everything they tell you not to do like light as a feather, stiff as a board, oh, like Ouija, Ouija, Ouija board. I'm like, a Ouija master. Like we did all of it. And so someone was like, okay, now we're going to do the bloody, like bloody Mary, like the summoning, yeah. you know, where you, where like, you look in the mirror and you say it. Yeah. That was like, for whatever reason, that was my, I was like, I won't do that. So like three girls went into the bathroom. I don't know what happened in there. Like, I don't, they must've just scared themselves, but like they did it. And then there was like this loud crash and there was screaming and like everyone just got really spooked and like after I swear to God I think they brought like a spirit into the world because for months after that when I would go to sleep at night I I was so terrified and I would shake uncontrollably and my cousin came to visit for like a week this was like summer and um I didn't tell her anything about this and we were we got into bed the first night and she's like, I don't feel well. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. She's like, I feel really nauseous. And I was like, I've been feeling like that for the last couple of months. And I was like, let me go get you like a wet, like a cool washcloth for your head. Like that's been helping me. And I came back and she was shaking so hard. The bed was shaking. And I was like, that was exactly, I hadn't told her anything about it. And she had the exact same symptoms okay. as I did. And I just think we were haunted. Don't tell me that's where the story ends. That's where the story ends. So the, the ghost just was like, I'm tired. I guess I'm over so. it. These chicks so. are boring. Yeah. Like I, they won't do anything more than like shake so hard. Whenever I tell that story, <laughs> my husband is like, you probably just like had the flu and you gave it to her. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you it was a spirit. I mean, I'd like to believe it was a spirit. Yeah. But like... Then why did it go <gasps> you away? You don't look convinced. I, I don't remember. I just think that like, I did feel like something like a door was opened and it really spooked me. But I've always wanted to like write something like that maybe like 
that's not where like in real life, that's where the story ends. But I'm like, you could like build a story out of that. That's like a lot more satisfying. I love ghost stories. Yeah, I do too. I am very much here for yeah. you writing yeah. a ghost story. You're like, just write a better ending than the one that just, we'll just have an ending. Yeah. <laughs> Any ending. <laughs> that one didn't have an ending that whatsoever. Ending. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll work on that. <laughs> oh, so when is Till Death starting to film? So we need to ha- cast it. So it's out to cast, you know, like these, this is the thing that like took forever with Luckiest Girl. Like it just, it's so, seven years. That know, is crazy. Seven years. I know. Yeah. And like, and like Mila Kunis, like I was just like, by the time we were submitting it to Mila Kunis, I was so annoyed because I was like, someone that big is not going to do this movie. Like, it's just the material is like too unwieldy. Like, it's just like, it just too risky, you know? Yeah. I was shocked that she responded to it the way she did. She was the perfect person. Like, I know she was so once good. I read the book, I was like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. Like, how, like, who were you thinking of before Mila Kunis? Who could possibly have-, have done that? I know. The other thing that makes her so good, and I didn't even realize this really until like after the fact, is like, so Mila's a, an immigrant. Like, she emigrated to this country from Ukraine. Yeah. Well, it wasn't Ukraine at the time, but it is now when she was like seven or nine years old, like she didn't speak English. And so I'm like, she had to do the thing of assimilation, which is what the character is doing in this old money world. Right. So I like didn't even put that together. And I'm like, oh, that's like such an amazing echo, like from who she is in real life to this character. Totally. Yeah. But just like everything about Mila Kunis was Ani. And I'm like, I could not imagine somebody else doing this, like perfectly casted film. Yeah. All of it. Like that had to have been like so difficult. Like, and I heard you talk about it on um, other podcasts. And I think, and I do want to direct some of my listeners to go listen to Hillary Kerr's Second Life podcast episode, because I know that a lot of my listeners would want to hear about the whole trajectory of your career and like all the pivots you made and and how you got to where you are now and all the things that you're doing now, because I, I, yes, you like, you adapted your own book. Yes. For the screen. And most people don't get they a chance don't. to do that. There's Mm-mm. there's so many things that you are doing that I think you guys need to hear about. <laughs> so if you were interested in something like that, go listen to that episode because I think it was it was so thorough. Yeah. Hillary's but, so great. So nice. Yeah. I love Hillary. Yeah. You guys, I saw somewhere, like, didn't you guys go to like Craig's together or something? We did one time. Yeah. See, I told you I'm in so, deep. Yeah. That was yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. We did one because time. I was like really jealous that she did that. With <laughs> her. And I was like, she knows Stassi. Do you know I've never eaten at Craig's? It's not weird. I mean, it's not that the food's not that good, right? It's fine. But like, I like, I get, I actually like when I go to Craig's, I kind of feel like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Why? I don't know. Like, it's just such like a, a cool person thing. Okay. Like such like a Hollywood thing where I'm like, I don't have like a number to call to be like, get me a table. Like, I I just don't feel like I belong. I I think that's why I've never been. I feel like very intimidated by it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that almost everywhere that's considered hip in Los Angeles. Oh my God. I guess I kind of feel that same, the same way too. And like, I've never been to Chateau. Shut, uh, I used well. I used to live down the street. My apartment okay. was literally like a block away. But is it I haven't like been a, since. Is it a whole scene to get in? It used to. Not, I don't feel like it. I mean, in my early twenties, when I was like a club rat yeah. and like really like into Hollywood yeah, and yeah, stuff, yeah. it was like a scene. At, I feel like at yeah. night. But then when I lived down the street, I was like, 
anyone can get in here. I get in here all the time. Really? And it wasn't. But now... I need to like just go to like have a martini at the bar or something. Is it even open now? I don't even know. Do people go there Kimberly's now? Kimberly's nodding. It is? <laughs> okay, but before, before I let you go, I do want to say that we have something else in common. Yes. And uh, that is... That we both had the same first internship, not the same place, but we both both did like script reviewing. We did? Yeah, like I listened to you talking about Where this. Where did you do this? At Phoenix Pictures, oh which my I don't know if they're still around, in Culver City. And it was during the time that they were doing Black Swan. Oh my which God. Which Mila Kunis. What a crazy coincidence. Yes. And I remember being in like one, like once a week, they would let us sit in with like the actual like dudes that run everything. Yeah. And they'd let the interns sit in and they were talking about Black Swan and the movie poster. And they were saying how we can't put Natalie Portman on the poster. She doesn't sell movies. And like, it was the what? only time I rose my hand to be like, I'm like 20 years old and like I would go see a movie if I just because I saw Natalie Portman's face on the cover and her that's face so did end wild. up on the cover. So I'm convinced that's because <laughs> of because me. Because of you. Let, I mean, take it. Why I, not? I, I, I want to. <laughs> but you said that you thrived in that yeah, internship. I did. I loved that. I loved it because it was like, it was so befuddling to me that this was like the grunt work that nobody wanted to do. I'm like, you get to like read scripts and say if they're good or not, like, and basically do like a book report about them. Like yeah. it was my favorite thing. And that was, that actually was like, it's so sweet to think about because I'm like, what was I like 21? And it was the summer between my junior and senior year of college. And I came out to LA and like, didn't know anyone and like found my apartment on like probably Craigslist or something. Yeah. I remember my dad flew out with me to make sure that the girls I was going to be living with were actually UCLA girls and not like a catfish, <laughs> like old man situation. And like, yeah. And I like shared a bedroom with like, an, I mean, it was just so, and then just, I drive past that building where I did that, the par the original paradigm um, offices, which they're not there anymore, but it's in Beverly Hills. It's a beautiful old building. And every time I drive past it, I'm just like, I don't know. I get like really emotional. Wait, I love that. I know. Did any of the things that you re reviewed, did they ever get, did anything get made? Yes. So um, at the time it was, it had already, I think it was already going into production, but do you, you remember that film, Str uh, The Stranger or Strangers with Liv Tyler? Fucking love that movie. Yeah, it's scary yeah. as fuck. Yeah. That was like the hot movie of the time that I was there because it was written by like a 24 year old and it was just kind of like one of these things where it was like the story around it was really amazing that like it was someone's like first script and then like Liv Tyler was going to be in it. And then it like I remember seeing the preview for the movie that year I was in college and like I was like, oh, my God, you guys like this is like one of the scripts I read. That is so cool. Yeah. And then there was one about competitive eating that I think <laughs> Will Ferrell ended up making that movie or maybe it didn't end up getting made. I don't know. I love Will Ferrell and I like don't feel like I know yeah. of, of a competitive eating, eating film that yeah. he's done. Maybe that one didn't get picked up. <laughs> Wait, but the strange. The, that's crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. That's yeah. a scary, scary movie. I know. I've actually never seen it. I need to go home and watch oh, it. Watch it. Yeah. It's I don't even feel like it's like that long. I think it's like yeah. cuz it's all in one spot, I think. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a very easy good. It's great for Halloween. It's Halloween yeah. in a few days. I know. I need to watch that. I just rewatched um Blair Witch Project for the first time Fan in like fantastic. 20 years. It was amazing. Talk about a short type film. I mean, I don't even think it's longer than like 70 minutes. Yeah. It flies by. Yeah. 
God, I wish I would have thought of something like that. I know, it's so smart. The marketing around it was genius. Like, totally. Because I saw it when I was, I think it was 10, 10 years old. And did you and think I thought it was, it was real. real? I thought it I was, was real too. I was of the age, yeah, yeah, where we were like, oh, this shit's real. They yeah. found the footage and they're just yeah. like releasing it. And I remember being like, that's like so fucked up for like the people that died, but like, yeah, wow. but I still want to see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'll still creep on like their terrible journey to death. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that we had the same internship. Yeah, that's I amazing. did not do the best job at it. <laughs> Literally, I remember. Got, what are you talking about? You got Natalie Portman's face on Black Swan. Poster. I tell myself that that's my own version. That's my version of. Well, you know, that's what? my we reality. All, we all have to have our own narratives to help us through life. <laughs> no, I remember being called in to like people at someone's office, and he was like, he showed me like what. I'd written he was like are you joking and I'm like what do you mean and he I had reviewed a script that was like a it was a horror movie about like a, a human meat grinder so it was like oh. a giant human meat grinder and I was like I think this sounds really good and scary <laughs> and he's like you you can go like you like you can I think I had zero potential there oh my god cannibalism is my other no-fly zone I can't do it yeah I'm I would say I agree with you it like puts me <laughs> off actual food like I can't eat like I, yeah, it, I find it very hard to eat after watching stuff like that. And I like to eat. So yeah, that's not my favorite part of like the horror yeah. genre. Yeah. Cannibalism. I could do without, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, thank you so much for being here. I love that we ended on the note of cannibalism. Yeah. No, it just like felt like the right. It the, did. It, it really is right. Where else right. would we end? Yes. No, you're exactly. Cannibalism. <laughs> Everyone needs to go out, read Luckiest Girl Alive, but also The Favorite Sister because it is amazing. You You can watch Luckiest Girl Alive on Netflix. It's like the number one watch, downloaded, whatever. Like it's all, it's hitting all the things. Yes. All the things. It's doing quite well. Yes. Congratulations (laughs) on everything. And you can follow Jessica at Jessica Knoll. Author. Author. I just had to, yeah, Jessica Knoll author is my Instagram handle. K-N-O-L-L. Yes. Like a small hill. That's a long handle. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Like this has been a real fucking treat. Thank Thank you. you.